It's Friday night, and your work week is over. Kick back and get the latest on the Indianapolis Colts. Jonathan Taylor, touchdown! The 10, the 5, a pick 6 for the Colts! Get up to speed on the Colts and the NFL, starting now. And he walks into the end zone! Touchdown, I-N-D-Y! This is the Colts Happy Hour on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Hey, welcome in Colts Happy Hour live from the Slippery Noodle on a Bud Light Blue Friday. Man, Indy is hopping downtown in in preparation for what is going to be a title game of the Big Ten tomorrow night between the Boilermakers and the Wolverines. And we're glad to be here at the Slippery Noodle presenting Colts Happy Hour to you. Brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Download the app today. Make every moment more. We start out with a burning question. The Colts... Fell to the Steelers on Monday night, one and two since Jeff Saturday took over on an interim basis as head coach. As the new energy of Saturday at the helm, is it over? Is his voice going unheard? Why did this team revert to old habits? That's the burning question. And I'll go ahead and share my knowledge with you right now. Here's why. Because this team is the same as it was for Frank Reich, as it is for Jeff Saturday right now. We'll see how it goes here on out to end the season, but it is the same team. Now, answer this burning question any way you want, and you can do that at JMB1070 on Twitter. But it is the same team, and that's why you have seen similar results. A lot of the same issues that we have seen with this team still hold true. Right, getting a stop when you need it, uh, offensive futility, Situations not being able to close out games. You beat Vegas. You were close against the Eagles in the neighborhood against the Steelers. The one thing that you can't, to me, it was tough for me to understand was on Monday night the way that the Colts started out. You know, basically the first quarter, the first half of that game, the way they look at the first half, especially for a team and organization that had been wanting a Monday night game forever and hadn't had one at home for seven years or so that was to me inexplicable as to why they started out as poorly in the first half of play as they did on Monday but that's your burning question again at JMV 1070 if you would like to go there and give me your reaction all right Rick Venturi coming up a little bit later on as well but as we always start the voice of the Colts Matt Taylor he is with Colts interim head coach Jeff Saturday Matt all right, thank you, JMV. It's time now for the head coach's report tonight on Colts Happy Hour with interim head coach Jeff Saturday. And, Jeff, this week was a kind of a short week playing on Monday night football against the Steelers. What kind of week of preparation did you see this week out of the team going into another primetime game, this time against the Cowboys? Yeah, really good energy. You know, I thought, um, you know, we walked through on Wednesday. I just kind of took it easy on their body, let them recover one more day. And then Thursday, I thought they bounced back. And, and I had actually even planned uh, a little more rest during practice, and the guys didn't want to. You know, they wanted to kind of push through and right. and, uh, and, and kind of go full live. So I uh, just respected the way they went after the week. And we had talked about the process. And, you know, from from, from the organization perspective of, of learning how to stack practices on top of each other and translating it to the game field. So hopefully uh, the, the way that we worked will show up uh, Sunday night. All right, the Cowboys are up next. They're coached by Mike McC- 
McCarthy. Mm-hmm. You were with Mike McCarthy as a player one year, 2012, with the Green Bay Packers. He was your head coach. What are the hallmarks of a Mike McCarthy-led team? Yeah, aggressive. You know, they want to. You know, he 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 was one of the. Um, you know, after you get used to Tony Dungy and Caldwell, you know, very. Uh, you know, they kind of give you the highlights of teams when you open up the week of what to expect. And um, you know, Mike was always about uh, you know all gas, no brakes. <laughs> hey, we're full on, man. Like we're a better team. We need to go show it. Uh, and I like that. I like that about him. I thought that he challenged his team to to play they, the way they should play. And if he can exploit a part of the of the defense, he's going to do it over and over. Um, and, and you know, because from an offensive perspective, obviously, but you see that right. translate into all phases wherever wherever they can find a competitive advantage, mm-hmm. they're going to work it. And so uh, I think he's he's done a good job, obviously, in Dallas and, and got these boys rolling. Yeah, they're playing some good football right now. There's no doubt about that. They've won four of their last five on offense. They've scored at least 28 points and they're over 400 yards of offense in four straight games. Why are they clicking right now? I think Dak coming back for them, you know, his first game or maybe first two games, he was just finding his way back from injury, which we know always takes time. But man, this this offense is loaded. I mean, you know, they got Pollard, who is an absolute absolute, uh, beast. Um, And then they'll they'll run it with uh, Zeke up the gut and he's a physical runner. And then with CD and Gallup on the outside, they got very good tight ends. I don't think people realize how big and physical their tight ends are, but you know they'll go they'll go two tight ends and three tight end looks, and they can physically you know come after you, and then they can throw it as well. But Dak does as good a job as anybody of protecting the football um, and and play action pass. And so uh, we, we have our work cut out for us. And then defensively, if they get a lead, they pin their ears back. There's yeah. nobody better, and everybody that you know that you've watched week after week. If they get down, it can get ugly in a hurry. So hopefully we go, you know, we can match toe yeah. for toe here early and then uh, get a chance to win in the end. How big will situational football be in this game? In the last four games for them, about 60% conversion rate on third down. And then for the season, the Cowboys are about 70% inside the red zone. Yeah, I mean, listen, they, they, they have been as good as anybody in the NFL. And like you said, in situational football where we've actually struggled, you know, you, we get to the red zone and we haven't done what we need to do to convert to touchdowns. Um, they have done a really good job. And then you just mentioned their third down number. Mm-hmm. Um, and for us, it's going to be that. Get off the field on defense on third down. You know, if it's third and three, make a play. You know, third and six, we've got to make a play. And then we need turnovers. I mean, they're, they're, this team, when they're when they're even or negative in the turnover, they're a 500 ball club. And that's about that's about true, right? I mean, right. Is if you lose the turnover battle, you're most likely going to lose in the NFL. And so, unfortunately for us, we've been the team that's given it away and not taking it away nearly enough. Um, and so, hopefully that changes Sunday. Meanwhile, on, on defense for them, got it by Dan Quinn, who used to be the head coach of the Falcons when Matt Ryan was there, obviously. They lead the NFL in sacks with 45. And Parsons, Micah Parsons, he has 12. But that's still a whole bunch of sacks left for the remainder of the team. What makes their pass rush and that pressure so diverse coming from so many different angles and so many different players? Oh, yeah. They get the exotic looks and they'll bring it from everywhere. And I I think uh, DQ does a really good job of understanding from your protection perspective what's going to be the most difficult for your quarterback to see to be able to get the ball off so he holds it and that split second somebody's getting home and it's not just Parsons right I mean it's Lawrence it's Armstrong like these guys understand I think I counted 13 or somewhere near there guys who have gotten sacks you know pressures have come from a lot of different places when you think about that in the context of NFL that is an insane thought and so they can they can make it happen again most of that comes though with a lead and and being able to be a little more bold in your pass rush style when you uh when when you're taking the lead. Drive home your point. They've got four players.
players with at least five sacks. That's yeah. the most in the National Football League, right? So you look at the Colts' defense, though, playing very well. It's yeah. been steady most of the season. How about Unique Ngakwe? Eight sacks, seventh straight year with at least eight sacks. Consistent player. What is he giving your defense right now from his position? Yeah, that big play opportunity, right? I mean, you saw it against Pittsburgh. I mean, you know, he, he makes play after play. One I know was was uh, was an error by them, but you know, finding a way to get home in big moments, you know, close out a drive. Right. Uh, you have to have that in the NFL, and you need it. Um, unfortunately, we haven't given them enough opportunities to close out game. Just been you know fighting and scrapping to stay in them. So uh, hopefully, we have that a little bit different. He can put some pressure there on on Dak this weekend. All right. Lastly, coach, your keys to win this football game on Sunday night in Dallas? Yeah, I would say offensively, we got it. We need to be able to run the football again. You can't be one dimensional. We've mentioned the sacks and we've mentioned the pressure and the creativity that, that uh, Dan Quinn brings to the table. So effectively being able to run the ball. And then you know, on the other side is you got to take shots, right? I mean, they are very good on the defensive backfield. You got Diggs, who's had a ton of t- uh, interceptions over the last two years. Um, but these guys understand about sitting on routes, running routes for you. So that means you got to have shots and, and back them off, get people out. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, when you look back at the last uh, three games, that's what teams do. You know, they, they walk down in the box, make it difficult for JT and for us to establish that run. The only way to back them off is to take a shot. And so uh, I've encouraged our guys, you know, let's make that part happen. Um, and then defensively, we, we need to make them one-dimensional, right? Mm-hmm. We cannot allow Pollard and Elliott to control tempo, to control the offense. Right. Then that offensive line gets going, then play action. You're not going to get any pressure. He'll have all day. Um, and I've told everybody, protection beats coverage every day and then some, right? And so uh, we need to make sure that we, we shut that run game down, force uh, Dak to beat us from the pocket. And, you know, listen, yep. they've won games like that all season. But when I look at it, that gives us the best chance to win. That's the head coach's report with interim head coach Jeff Saturday before the Colts take on the Cowboys. Jeff, thanks for the time and good luck. Appreciate you. Thanks. There it is. Jeff Saturday, Matt Taylor, Colts Happy Hour, 93 5. 107.5 The Fan at the Slippery Noodle on a Bud Light Blue Friday. I've got more Chargers Colts tickets to give away. In fact, three more pair to give away while we're here. This reminder 8 30 pregame coverage right here on The Fan. That would be the Pacers and the Jazz. Game number four of a seven-game Western road swing. So far, Pacers one and two. The two that they've lost, they haven't looked good at all. And the one that they won was uh, somewhat, I don't want to say legendary, that's too much, but uh, incredibly exciting and will be in a lot of memory banks for a number of years with that knockdown from Andrew Nemhart from three that was the game winner. One and two going into game number four in Utah. Utah had been... Upstart and playing well, but had recently hit the skids. They're not the same Utah team that you remember from the past couple of years with Donovan Mitchell being gone and Rudy Gobert being gone, but still formidable and a nice opportunity in the SLC for the Pacers to get back on the winning track and even up this road record, at least in this seven-gamer out west, at two games, I should say two games apiece, two and two. Uh, as they still have more to go. Seven-game Western Road Swing tonight in Utah. Pacers pregame show is at 8.30. Centerpoint Energy is a proud sponsor of the 2022 Coach of the Week program. This week's winner is Dave Pash of Lutheran High School. Shout-out to Dave and company over there on the southeast side of Indy for their state title. To learn more about the program, please visit colts.com slash high school football 
today. Inside football is really important. Rick Venturi is going to give you a look that you simply do not hear any place else. He and voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor, that's on the other side. This is Colts Happy Hour, 93.5, the fan. A full hour dedicated to Colts football. This is the Colts Happy Hour on 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. Hey, Colts Audio Network includes podcast, radio shows, player interviews, and it's available on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere else you download podcasts. You can also listen to your Colts content on SiriusXM on the mobile app. Exclusive Colts radio and audio content on demand to stay up to date on the Colts and do it on your schedule. Check that out today. And for more info, that's at Colts.com. Hey, the blueprints on both sides of the football. That Sunday nighter is coming up at 820 in Dallas. The Cowboys host the Colts. 530, the Colts pregame huddle with me and Bill. And the Goreman gets you down the path to week 13 in the Colts matchup in Dallas. So we got the information you're looking for right now. Both sides of the football from the radio booth of former NFL coach Rick Venturi breaks it down with voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor. Matt. All right, thank you, JMV. Let's talk about Colts and Cowboys. Sunday night football from an X's and O's standpoint. It's time for Inside Football with my man Rick Venturi, and let's break out the blueprints for the Colts to win this football game on Sunday. RV Dallas boasts the seventh-best scoring offense in the NFL, putting up 25 points per game. They also have a top-10 rushing offense, a top-10 team on third down in the red zone and in giveaways. The Cowboys have scored at least 28 points and have racked up over 400 yards of offense in four straight games. And their balance, Rick, that's even scarier between the run and the pass. They have at least 240 passing yards and at least 150 rushing yards in four straight games as well. They are the first team in the NFL to do that since the Bears way back in 1947. So they're really on one right now. And they're also the only team this season – with three players with at least 600 scrimmage yards, C.D. Lamb, and then running backs Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard, and quarterback Dak Prescott has put up at least 250 passing yards and at least two passing touchdowns in four straight games. That is tied for the longest streak in Cowboys history. Has really been playing well since he came back from that injury. And the offensive line is guided by Indianapolis native Zach Martin, and they have only as a group given up 14 sacks all season. That's the least in the NFL and none in the last two games. So all of that, Rick, basically paints the picture that the offense for the Cowboys, it's rolling. This is going to be a really good test for this Colts defense. Yeah, big-time test. There isn't any doubt about it. You know, starting with the must, okay, you, we, we just have to stop the running game. If if you don't stop the running game, nothing else will matter. And that is really the fulcrum. As I said, 1,338 rushes, rushing yardage. Uh, by those two guys and Ezekiel Elliott is really he's back to full strength he was really struggling for a while and that's why the the, you look at him and his average is 4.1 and really he's the double hitter he's the guy when he's in the game it's a lot more inside zone Matt he and in short yardage he's their short yardage guy he's really kind of become the power guy kind of that thruster from tackle to tackle really even though he can do it all, <clears throat> that's kind of become his role. And then, of course, the guy that's just, just become a beast is Pollard, you know, at 5.6, you know, per. 
And, you know, if Ezekiel's hitting doubles, this guy's hitting home runs. I mean, he is really not just a guy that will slash it in there, but he will bounce it. He can take a pass for a home run. I mean, he's just outstanding. And they'll, they, like I said, they'll get in that fast regular with both of them, and they'll, and they'll use him kind of almost as a gimmick guy. So, you know, really, really important that you stop the run. Again, that is everything. That will make everything else more difficult to them. So, you know, we didn't do a good job against Pittsburgh. We've been relatively good all year long, but we did not control the line of scrimmage. The Steelers control the line of scrimmage, and we can't let that happen with Dallas or it's a long day. Okay, number two, we must have a scheme to shut down uh, Lamb. You know, Lamb with the 64 catches, you know, he is, you know, by far – the go-to guy. And the thing about Lamb is he'll line up everywhere. Uh, he can be out at X, at split end. He can be at Z. But he does a lot of damage. He's 6'2", 200. He has a lot of range, and they love to put him inside at, like, the slot, or sometimes he'll be all the way in at the tight end position at number three. And he makes a ton of interior interior catches. Always know where he is and defend him. No question about it. If the game is on the line and they're passing the football, we have got to have a way to double lamb in a critical, critical situation. Now, when you do that, number three must is you have to play really good technique and have good individual matchups versus Gallup and Schultz. Okay. Gallup, is a guy you can press. He's not real fast. He's right at four or five. He's six foot, about 200, but he plays long, and you got to compete for the fade with him, okay? He's a guy that, you know, he's really good on the 50-50 ball, and what they do a lot with him, Matt, is they'll get in three by one or a strong formation, and he'll be back at the weak side X, and they'll RPO, <clears throat> quick slants or quick hitches, and they'll also run some fades to him because they trust him on the 50-50 ball. So, you know, in in some respects, you want a really good corner on him. You have to make the decision as to whether you double, um, you know, at times that you you, you double Lamb and you put your best corner on, uh, you know, on Gallup, or you trust your second corner, which – Faison is playing pretty well, and he played good 50-50 last week. So I think we have a chance on that matchup. And then we got to do a really, really good job on Schultz, particularly in the red zone, okay, particularly in the red zone. Now, this brings up the usage of these guys. And I said this earlier in the discussion, and I've worked against them forever. Okay, Mike McCarthy loves three-by-one sets, okay, and two types. One, we're a wide receivers on the weak side, okay? And if that's Lamb back there, they're going to do everything possible to get it to him. If he's on the strong side at number two or number three, expect him in what we call all-go special to be running down that field, particularly at three, where he's bending and running away from people and trying to get a big matchup on that. So you got to be alert to where he's at, and basically they're going to let Dak look it over, if you rotate strong, the ball will come back to X. If you rotate it, if you stay balanced, I guarantee you 
if Lamb is strong, that ball is going to Lamb. Now, the other type of three-by-one he likes is what we call a speed trips, okay? And that means all three receivers to one side and Schultz back one-on-one on the weak side. And there they're looking for one-on-one and matchups. And they'll run quick options to him. But what they really like when they get into the red zone is what Mike refers to, John Gruden refers to it, anybody that's had a West Coast background with what they call it a Y-POCO. And for the fans, what a Y-POCO means is it's an option deep. And the, the tight end has, a, has an option to run the post or the corner, thus POCO. Okay, And so what he's looking for, if the safety is in the middle and it's closed, then he's going to run, he's going to start to the post and run the corner. If there's no safety, if there's no safety in the middle, like it's split safety, cover two or something like that, he's going to take, he's going to start to the corner and run the post. So it's really a good option. Again, he caught a big touchdown on a Poco last week. So those are just things that you really have to be ready for on three-by-ones. And then the fourth must, <clears throat> we've, got to, we've got to pressure Dak into turnovers. I think his his 10 and 6 ratio touchdowns to uh, interceptions, it's not overwhelming. I, I think if you stay ahead in the count and you narrow their, their their playbook down, I think they have some hidden weaknesses, particularly on that left side on pass protection. But if they get in third and long, Mike is smart. He's going to keep those guys in the block. So you want to have your best coverages on third and long. If you want to blitz him, blitz him third and five to seven. But once you get third and ten, they're going to have two guys back in there helping their tackles. I wish we'd look at the film and do some of that. But that's where you want to fake blitz and give him coverage and get back in there. And I think we're going to need a couple turnovers to win this game. And, that again, that's going to go back to getting ahead in the count, yeah, yeah. getting him in third and long, and give him some coverage problems. That's Rick Venturi. This is Inside Football, breaking down the Colts and Cowboys. I'm Matt Taylor, and we're going to shift gears now and talk about the blueprints to beat the Cowboys on defense. And that Dallas D, Rick, as you said, just as good as their offense. They come into this game ranking first in passing yards per game, sacks on defense. They already have 45 as a team, and they're second in points allowed, giving up only 17 a game. And they're 45 sacks to go back to that. Uh, second most by an NFL team through 11 games of a season in the last 20 years. And the star of that defense is linebacker and pass rusher Micah Parsons, ranked second in the NFL this year in sacks with 12. He's got 25 in his first two years, only needs one more to join Reggie White and Alden Smith as the only players with at least 13 sacks in each of their first two NFL seasons. And as you talked about in the bigger picture, they're only – uh, the only chink in their armor, the rushing defense. They're allowing 131 rushing yards per game. They've allowed 165 rushing yards per game in their three losses. That's 28th in the NFL mm-hmm. in that regard. And so it's it's something the Colts need to take advantage of or at least try to take advantage of. Potential there for the Colts and Jonathan Taylor to have an impactful game on the ground. What else do we need to know about the Cowboys on defense? Guided by Dan Quinn, uh, by the way, was the head coach of Atlanta with quarterback Matt Ryan. So what else stands out to you about this Cowboys defense? Number one, we've got to pound them to death. You got We've got to take advantage of that 25-4. And if they stay in over – you know, I think we can get right after them. And I think when you look at their team, including 
Parsons. They're really constructed with athleticism more than power. That's where all those loose play statistics, including sacks, are so good. But they don't do great right at them, including Parsons. I, when he's the stack backer, to me, he's just a guy. And when they're in that over, and we've seen it with our own team, pound at it, pound at it right away. Don't do a lot of finesse stuff. Go right at them. Power that three. They're really poor off tackle and on the edge. And if you can run right at Parsons, run right at him. Run at the stack when he's in the stack backer. Make Jonathan Taylor the MVP, not Parsons. Run the ball and reduce the game. Number two, you got to think protection, 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 and you've got to protect the edges. You've got to help your tackles and primarily your left tackle now, again, I thought Braden Smith did a terrific job last Sunday on, 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 the, on what? There is no doubt. I thought he did a really good job, and I think you can trust him some. Parsons, a different story. When he's coming off that edge, we have got to have a schematic answer for Parsons. You cannot let him one-on-one with that kid. we got to think protection, protection, protection. I think, number one, when you're on first down, it's a combination of many things. Again, run it, RPO it, you know, quick rhythm. We did that in the third quarter. You know, we really got in a rhythm in the third quarter after the Flowers return, and we got right back into what we do best. That's run, RPO, quick rhythm, screen. And, again, that takes that puts the defense on their heels. And I would say this. I think we should take a look at the Cowboy film, and I've seen Mike do it year after year. If it's third down and it's third down and longer, you've got to keep people in. You know, get get your tight end, get your running back in the backfield, and make sure those edge guys can't get there. All right, number three must go after Brown, okay, and go after him. If Joseph is in there, number one, it makes no difference. They're going to be on the left side. They do not flock them, flop them, and they are liabilities. You want to get over there. And we got to start taking shots. I mean, we can't possession all day long because one penalty gets you behind the count. We've got to start getting explosive plays. If we don't get explosive plays, we will never score many points. It's just not going to happen. And we've got to get up there and get 50-50 balls. On first down, those corners are naked, and that strong side left corner is naked, and you have to go after them. And I would say this to my receivers this week, okay? This is a game when you're doing 50-50 on Brown, okay? When you're 50-50 on Brown number three, if you don't catch the ball, do the best acting job you've ever done in your life. Throw your hands up because this guy is the most highly penalized corner in the league, and he has almost no chance to play you in the blind spot. Know that going in. You may have to get a big call in this game to win it, but, again, attack that. Then I think number four you want it. There's two things you got to do underneath. One is run misdirection play action against Vanderish. That guy will hunt. He is going to go after you. He's going to go after that run. So if you play action, I think they're shaky underneath on crossing actions and play action overs and things like that. Also, be very, very ready for a man-to-man press game. Teams do not respect our receiver core. They're going to get up in your face like Pittsburgh in critical situation. So have our bunches ready, our stacks, our meshes, and our rubs to beat this team. 
There it is. Rick McGerry, and he's going both sides of the football with Matt Taylor right there. Getting you set. Week 13 has got the Colts and the Cowboys. That's an 820 start coming up on Sunday. Thank you very much, Marty. Man, I need that right here. Let there be light. <laughs> legendary Slippery Noodle and the even more legendary, certainly maybe more infamous, Marty is in the house right here. Busy weekend here, Bud Light Blue Friday. I've got a couple more pair of Chargers Colts tickets to give away. And we come back on the other side. Matt Taylor, Casey Vallier, and Mike Golick talk a little more NFL with you coming up next. Caesar Sportsbook is a proud sports betting partner of your Colts. This is Colts Happy Hour on a Friday. 93.5107 by the fan. Welcome back to the Colts Happy Hour. We're getting you in the know on the Colts heading into the weekend. Hey, welcome back, Colts Happy Hour 93.5107.5. The fan, you guys have been fantastic today and into the evening. Hopefully you're set for a fantastic weekend. A lot of football going on, especially right here. you got the championship game of the Big Ten happening. Coming up tomorrow night. Tomorrow night between the Wolverines and the Boilermakers should be an absolute blast. I mentioned a little bit earlier, too. Actually, you may have forgotten, but the Pac-12 title game is tonight, and that could have. See you, Jim. Take it easy, my friend. Appreciate you. Always good to see you. Yep, next next couple weeks, my man at Zinc right there, Jim Jr. Bud Light brings us to you at the legendary Slippery Noodle. But, no, I was getting to the Pac-12 title game with some landscape as far as playoff implications tonight, some what-ifs between USC and Utah coming up later on tonight. That's an 8 o'clock kick from Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas again coming up later on tonight. Colts, Cowboys, Sunday. Voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor, along with Casey Vallier. Their opportunity to converse with Mike Golick. Fellas? The Colts take on the Cowboys Sunday night football this week, and the Colts are looking to play some better football as the calendar flips to December. I'm Matt Taylor with Casey Vallier, and joining us now to talk about Sunday night's game, he's going to be on the call for Westwood One. Former NFL defensive tackle and NFL analyst Mike Golick is with us. Mike, thanks for the time today. How are you? I'm doing well. Glad to be on. Absolutely. Now, Mike, are you still based up in South Bend? Well, I'm there six months out of the year, and then once it turns bad weather, I come out here to Scottsdale. So I'm I'm done with snow. <laughs> Smart, you got it all figured out, man. I love it. But you're still an adopted Hoosier, so we love you, man. Uh, yeah. Hey, when you yeah. look at this, when you look at this Colts team getting ready for Colts and Cowboys in your preparation, uh, I guess just big picture for you, what stands out to you when you look at the Colts in terms of how they've underperformed this year, four seven and one. Uh, what are some things that have uh, kind of hit home for you looking at them three and a half games out of the playoffs at this point? Uh, I, I quite honestly have been somewhat stunned. I mean, I picked them to win the division. I think have, getting Matt Ryan over there I thought was going to help put them over the top. I've, I've been amazed um, at just how much they struggled. Uh, so, you know, a lot of people point to the O-line, which had been such a strong point for them. Uh, certainly, you know, 43 sacks given up this year. The running game hasn't been what it's been, though. Jonathan Taylor in the last, I think, the last three games has averaged over 20 carries a game. So it seems like they're getting back to that a little bit. I mean, that that's certainly one of the strong points. Um, I mean, as far as receiving him, mean, it's really Pittman, right? I mean, isn't he like about 30 catches ahead of everybody else, I think, as far as receptions are concerned? So, it, it's been surprising, to say the least, 
especially on the offensive side, considering what happened last year um, for that for this team not making the playoffs and their loss at the end of the season. So I, I, like most others, have been very, very surprised. Now, one of the things you mentioned, Jonathan Taylor, the last couple games has kind of found his stride. How important is he to just kind of riding the ship here towards the end of the year? Well, it's huge because I don't think they have a monster passing game. You know, just what I was talking about before. I mean, that the ball gets spread out. You know, you have a 74 reception Pittman and a 46 reception Campbell. And then after that, you're looking in the 20s, you know, between your tight ends. You know, running back is not even here anymore. Um, you know, another wide receiver in Pierce. So it, it's been it, – it's not a team that can live on the passing game. I guess that's the way I would put it. It's a, it's a great – it should be a, a better complement to their running game, but the running game needs to be better. Now, the running game, again, like I said, in the last three games, it started to be a little bit better. But bottom line is you lost two of those games. You know, one was only by a point, I know, to Philadelphia. You know, and the other, I, I, I thought I thought Colts were going to be Pittsburgh. Uh, on, on Monday night, I really did. Uh, but uh, so the running game has to pick back up to close to what it has been. I think for the passing game to get better as well. That's Mike Golick with us, NFL analyst. He's going to be on the call on Sunday. Westwood one between Colts and Cowboys on Sunday night football. Mike, what was your initial reaction to the Jeff Saturday news? You've been around the NFL for a long time. You've seen a lot. How did you process that when it first came down, and and what do you think of it now, three weeks later? Well, I think like most people, I was I was pretty surprised, right? I mean, because just because we haven't seen that happen before, you know, it's like it's like one of those things. It's like it's hard to see firsts anymore. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really happen. You pretty much you've almost seen everything, but this this was a first. Um, so yeah, I was a little surprised. Um, and and the the thing that there were people that were negative against this. Uh, the people that were getting on Jeff Saturday for taking it, that I completely disagree with. You know, Jeff, had, I know it only coached high school, but he's a guy who, you know, was looking at, you know, was, was coaching and has had some coaching, so he wanted to coach. You know, guys who have no interest in coaching probably would have said no. I think a lot of more, more guys would have said yes. I don't put this on Jeff. Everybody said it's unfair to the other coaches, especially like the Gus Bradley, who was a head coach to go over that over their head well that's on Ursay. that's not on jeff you know jeff was off of the job jeff, jeff wasn't picking who could have the job if he didn't have it so that that's on jim Ursay saying you know this is who i want to write the ship and and i kind of you know looking kind of sitting back you always look at like mid-season changes mm-hmm. you know it happened in carolina with with rule getting let go and wilkes takes over who has experience obviously and he's trying to have you know play it have his team play well enough to be the head coach going forward i don't know what jeff i don't know what jeff's wants and desires are i don't know if he wants to be the coach i don't know if no matter what happens he's going to be the coach or if they're just going to hire someone new and that new person can do whatever he wants with all the assistance but from what i understand uh with jeff is he is basically he has not really rocked the boat there Mm -hmm. you know he's letting the assistants do their jobs now if, if the Gus, Gus Bradleys and others of the world feel slighted, I understand that. I don't blame them for that because we know how it normally had worked in the NFL that one of those guys would get elevated to be the interim head coach. So I, I could see their nose getting out of joint a bit. Bottom line is, though, they're still there coaching and they're going to coach to the best of their ability. No doubt. And Jeff is going to be there in really kind of a leadership role yeah, yeah. And to try and kind of set, set the ship right. 
That's Mike Golick with us, NFL analyst. He's going to be on the call on Sunday Night Football National Broadcast on Westwood One. Now, switching over to the Cowboys, Mike, they're one of the best teams in the NFL right now in terms of how they're playing. 28 points and at least 400 yards of offense in four straight games. Uh, they've won four of their last five, as you know, Mike. How impressed have you been with, with Dallas lately, especially since Dak Prescott came back into the lineup there at quarterback? Uh, I mean, listen, how can you not be impressed? I mean, what with what they've done, especially as of late. So, I mean, they're, they're sitting in a great spot now, um, obviously for the playoffs, but they'd love to challenge Philadelphia for the uh, – for the uh, division title, I was at the the first game, you know, when, when Philly won in Philly. Uh, so it, it will be interesting to where this thing ends up um, for them. You know, it for, for the you know so different than college. As we're getting ready to, to, to get our final four in college, one loss can cost you so much uh-huh. in college football. In the NFL, that's not the case. You know, the best thing that you can do in the NFL if you're going to make the playoffs is be peaking at the right time getting players back from injuring and playing your best ball toward the end of the year. And that's where the Cowboys are right now. And oh, it certainly helps to have probably the defensive play of the year, Micah Parsons, who moves all over the place on that defense. So you, you can win when you have a great defense because they're going to keep you in every game. And then you have a running game with the two headed monster of Zeke and Pollard, who's a, you know, could be a home run every time he touches the ball. And then Dak and C.D. Lamb, you know, have been have been hooking up pretty well. So they're peaking at the right time. This is going to be this is going to be a very very difficult game game for the Colts. It's on Mike Golick with Casey Valle and Matt Taylor on Colts Happy Hour. The Forum Credit Union question of the week as follows: The Cowboys have only allowed 14 sacks. That's the fewest of the NFL. And defensively, they have 45, which is the most in the NFL. They would be just the fourth team in the Super Bowl era to run the first in offense and in defensive sacks allowed. Who was the last team to do so? It's the Forum Credit Union question of the week. We'll come back with that in just a bit. More to come. This is Colts Happy Hour, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. We now return to the Colts Happy Hour, an inside look at the Colts on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Colts Happy Hour brought to you by Meyer. Meyer, the official super center of the Colts and a proud sponsor of hundreds of local sports teams across the Midwest. Your Forum Credit Union question of the week. Cowboys have only allowed 14 sacks, the fewest of the NFL, and defensively they have 45, which leads the NFL. That would make them just the fourth team in the Super Bowl era to have the first in offensive and defensive sacks. Who was the last team to do it? The answer, the 2020 Pittsburgh Steelers, the 92 Saints, the 77 Patriots were other teams that have accomplished that feat as well. The Forum Credit Union Fan Forum section of Colts.com. Interact with other fans online and then some. You can do that inside that fan forum. Form Credit Union, helping members live their financial dreams. Hey, a big play in the third quarter from Dallas Flowers. The story is fantastic on how he got the opportunity to return that kick. And with more Dallas Flowers and voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor. Matt. 
We're joining the Colts Radio Studio now. I'm Matt Taylor. Dallas Flowers is with us, rookie cornerback and return man for the Indianapolis Colts. Dallas, thanks for the time, man. How are you? I'm doing good. Blessed to be here. No doubt about it. I really appreciate your time. Let's talk about the opening kickoff of the second half the other night against the Pittsburgh Steelers. You take it 89 yards inside the Pittsburgh red zone. Take me through that play. Did you know that it was going to be as impactful as it ended up being? To be honest, I've been I've been doing kick return my whole life. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's kinda like second nature to me. And um coming in after halftime, we was down sixteen three, I believe. Something right. like that. So I know we needed a spark. Um I know I didn't have to be Superman, I just had to be myself. And um I saw the crease and I just shot it and um I had some great blocks. So You took it though eight yards deep. Did you did you realize how deep in the end zone you were when you first started that return? Yeah, I started off like four or five yards deep. Like, at first, when the first kicked off, I thought it was going to be shorter than what it was, but it got closer to me. I took, yeah. like, two, three steps back, but I was already locked in on a return, so I was like, I'm just bringing this out. Is there a general rule on, on how far into the end zone yeah, we, you we, can or cannot make yeah, a return based on where you catch it? Yeah, we, we have a rule. Okay. Yeah. Did you break the rule? <laughs> what was uh what was Bubba Ventrone's reaction to that oh, play? He was, he was, Considering where you caught the ball in the he end was zone. excited. He was excited. Uh, <laughs> he knew like he'd been preaching like every week to have a big play on special teams, no matter what it is, just have a big play on special teams. And uh, yeah. we needed a big play at the halftime, so he was just happy at the end result. Yeah. Did you think you were gonna score on that play? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I mean you were only about a half a block away. I mean, that's all you needed, right? Yeah. On, on a play like block. that. <laughs> what what does a play like that do? to the team what does it do to the sideline when you have a play like that where you get all the way down the field as I said the offense took over in plus territory in fact inside the red zone what does that do to kind of energize the team and act as a catalyst in that comeback oh that just that just give pretty much put hope back on our side Mm -hmm. um get the momentum back and now everybody is up and ready and and, and happy and joyful and excited and then that brings the crowd into the game as well and we at home so and that, that kind of, like, kills the away team vibe as well. So mm-hmm. now they're like, dang, that just happened. So now they, like, search and trying to see what can they do to stop us now. So Yeah, that's Dallas Flowers with us, uh, rookie cornerback and return man for the Indianapolis Colts. And uh, that's that's one of many, you know, big moments, signature moments for you in your career. But your first one here in your rookie season, and you did it against a, a marquee opponent, right, a legendary franchise mm-hmm. on Monday Night Football. What did that do to your confidence? Um, it definitely helped me a lot. Um, like you said, that was my first return. It was what, week week thirteen. Yeah, you well, your second one on the season, but yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, it gave me a lot of confidence. I knew, I know that I can do this. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? It's me. I've been doing this my whole life. Um, it just gave me another, another, another step right. in my confidence. You know, uh, Bubba and the coaches gave me the opportunity. They, they trusted me to go back there, and um, I'm just happy I just made made the right play and made them happy. Yeah. How many reps do you get in practice oh, I, as I get, a return I get, man? I get rest of return. Uh, me and Isaiah switch off. I, yeah. get, I get plenty of rest of return. And, and is it just a coach's decision on, on who's back there when, that kind of thing, uh, during the game and yeah, in practice? Yeah. Now, you've been active every game since week number five, again, in your rookie campaign, made the team as an undrafted free agent out of Pittsburgh State. For you, how is the season going for you? How would you classify your rookie campaign here? Um, i say it's pretty. It's going pretty well, going mm-hmm. pretty well. Um, like I said, I'm definitely blessed to be here. You know what I'm saying? Um, i say I say it's going pretty well. And and like I said, you're having to balance. You're having to balance the defensive game plan on a weekly basis because you never know when your number is going to be called there. But also on special teams, where you're not only kicking or uh, returning kicks, but you're you know doing punts and punt returns. I mean, you're a core special teams player on this team. 
what, what's a weekly, um, or I should say, what, what is a normal week for you, balancing all of that that you have on your plate there? To be honest, um, just like you said, waiting on my call for defense, mm-hmm. um, special teams, I could literally go from gunner to corner on punt return to punt returner to right. kickoff to kick returner. So I could play about five, six different positions on special teams itself. Right. So I just got to be ready when my name is called and just and just lock in on those four, five, six different positions just to be ready. Right. And in, in college, you were the guy, right? Yeah. You mean you were the man, mm-hmm. uh, especially on defense, you know, on all the different spot or stops that you had in your college career, Pittsburgh State. And now you're, again, in, in your first year here with the Colts, focusing just on special teams. How, how difficult has that been for you to go from playing every down on defense to carving out your niche in the NFL on special teams? Um. It's kind of it's kind of different because that, that that haven't really been my role. Sure, but right. in a way, I always been like like a dark horse. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? A, a, a underrated player because coming out, I went to NAI school and I finished at a Division two school. So I always kind of been like a hidden gem. You know what I'm saying? But then when my name get called, and I always rise to occasion. So I believe that's going to be the same with this situation. Yeah, Pittsburgh State. I mean, for those that don't know, that's a very underrated college football program. Mm-hmm. They've won a couple of national championships. Yeah. What What did that stop for you? What did that mean for you in your development and your path to the NFL? Oh, um, it meant a lot. Um, and they wanted to see me on a higher level, showcase my talents, and I did there. And like Pitt State is the number one. Um, got the most wins in Division Two history. Mm-hmm. Um, they got a lot of players that played in the NFL, such as Joe Brown, receiver. So, I mean, it helped a lot. Um, the fans there, great. The coaches, great. The atmosphere is crazy. Uh, it may sound small to, like, Division One, but on average we get about 12,000 12, fans every game. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it was it was fun. It was, it was exciting, too. So, oh, it was yeah. good. And you, and again, in your, your prior stops in college, you played football and basketball yeah. on scholarship. Mm-hmm. When did you focus just on football? Um, I played basketball probably my first two years of college, and um, I sat down with like my family, my brother, my little brother, mm-hmm. um, and like other coaches. They was like, like if if you serious about football, you I, I legitimately think you got a shot at making to the next level. Yeah. So um, I weighed my options. You know, basketball is six six point guards. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's two rounds of thirty picks, sixty picks versus yeah. seven rounds. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Play the odds there, brother. Right. There so go. that's that's pretty much what it was. Yeah. What position did you play in basketball? Combo one and two. Okay. Yeah. All right. And now you could fill it up, you could shoot it then? Definitely. <laughs> when when did you think the NFL was a dream that um, you could realize? Um to be honest, growing up, I knew I was gonna make it one of them basketball or football, but then when I once I started to like actually fill it, uh huh, probably like twenty nineteen season. Okay. Yeah, that yeah. was my that was my goal. So Dallas Flowers right there with Matt Taylor on Colts Happy Hour. Uh, this may not reach where it's intended to, but I mentioned a little bit earlier we had Bob Bob Lovell on as we normally do on a Friday, and this is it's not an opening weekend for all of high school boys basketball around here because some are already underway, but for a lot of these. You know, football tradition type of schools, they hold off until now to start their season. But this is interesting because I played games there before. A shout-out to the Eel Tank, the Eel Tank, home of the Eminence Eels. So apparently, from what I gather, the story goes, Eminence hosting North Central of Farmersburg in their home opener. And evidently, a tractor hit a light pole 
in and around Eminence and has knocked out power to Eminence and to the high school. So they are struggling, at least at this point, to try to get the power back on. So there's a shout-out to Eminence. I have played there before. It's a fantastic small farming community. But shout-out to Eminence. Eminence in North Central here is hoping, not North Central in Marion County, but North Central in Sullivan County. That's Farmersburg. Hopefully they get their game underway and the power back on over there later on tonight. All right, we'll close out things coming up next on Colts Happy Hour. It's brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Download the app today and make every moment more. It's 93.5-1075, the fan. We're talking all things Colts on the Colts Happy Hour heading into the weekend on 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. My friends, I cannot thank you enough for being a part of this show. And a shout-out to Devin, the onside engineer, was spectacular. Zach and Landon doing promotions, knocked it out of the park. And Kyle Udemark is always 100% on absolutely everything, running things back at the studio. Colts Happy Hour brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. All right, have a great weekend. Pacers, Jazz, 8.30 pregame, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.